Sometimes you gotta go back to actually move forward. I don't mean all the way back to dental school. Let's face it, that was an awful experience. But when it's all said and done, you still have questions. That's what Paul and Justin are here for. To answer your questions as your dental business mentors. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Justin and Paul Etchison here, your dental business mentors. We're going to be uh, chatting with you a little bit over the next 10 minutes about an important topic. And Paul, can you go ahead and introduce the topic and state the question, please? Yeah, and I'm going to say for my editor's sake, we're going to really try to keep this under 10 minutes this time because our last two went a little bit long and he's probably sitting there going, man, these guys are going longer than I said they, they said they would. All right, let's get into the question. So someone wrote in and said, you know, I've had a long-term associate. I'm thinking about asking him to buy in. What are your thoughts? So I guess this question really boils down to, is it a good idea for a practice owner to bring on an associate as a partner? Yeah, I think I think absolutely it's a good idea to, to consider strategic partnerships. It's really the only way I like to do things ongoing because I think having an associate doc is great. I love them. I respect them. We treat our associates the same way we treat our partners. There's no difference other than how equity and revenue is shared, right? They get the same level of love and respect and they're invited into our, our family and we, we treat them that way. And we like to really foster great relationships. But at some point in time now, you can consider really you've been dating your associate, but you're married to your partner. And we know what it's like when you move in with the girlfriend for the first time. Sometimes that doesn't work out. And so I think what's really important to understand is the nature of relationships do change when A, the associate gets skin in the game and B, the principal dentist now has to relinquish some level of control and ownership to another person, which they may not be accustomed to. And I think There's a psychological and emotional barrier to get over there. And I think what behooves everybody in the equation here is to do your due diligence up front because just because you have a great associate and just because you got a great practice and the associate wants to buy and you want to sell a portion of them so you guys can all live happily ever after, it doesn't mean it's the best decision because when you get married, things can change. And they may not, but they can. So here's here's a decision-making framework that I like to walk through. The first thing that most folks do when they want to buy into something is they want to start looking at the numbers. And sure, you've been there for some time, but my, my philosophy is you got to really ask yourself, number one, why am I inviting in an owner? Number one, from the owner's perspective, from the associate's perspective is why do I want a strategic partnership and why do I not just want to start a practice on my own? Those are important things. And reason is whatever reason you state now becomes the reason why the other individual is indispensable to you. You don't want to go into partnerships where you feel like either party is dispensable. In my opinion, there should be this mutual respect that they bring this and I bring that and that's why we're together. And if that doesn't change, we're good. So I think getting really clear on why both of you want that and that's important. The second is you definitely want to understand your own strengths and weaknesses. You can use things like a Colby survey, a tendency, uh, strengths finder 2.0, any of these things. If you're not already self-aware in those areas, which took me years, I'm still learning, but I get my own way all the time. But, but I think it's important to stop and ask what are your strengths and weaknesses and the best partner for you is particularly if you want active involvement. Like if you're not just wanting the associate just to do dentistry, that's different. 
But if you do want them to wear a partnership hat and help with operations, you have to really look and ask yourself from a simplistic perspective, what are my strengths and weaknesses? Secondly, if this is a true strategic partnership and it's not just in the owner operating everything and the, the dentist doing dentistry, well, you have to ask yourself which hat you're going to wear. In, in general, you can divide it up into visionary and integrator. Okay. So if you're familiar with traction or EOS, I don't use that in any of my practices, and, but I'm familiar with the process and I'll steal the words visionary and integrator from, from that process. So the visionary is the person with the ideas, with the strategy and, and so on and so forth. They can open doors, but they have trouble closing doors and loops. Okay. The integrator is very good at closing doors and loops. They're two different skill sets. And those surveys I mentioned, the Colby, the tendency, the strength finder, and also asking thoughtful questions is important to decipher that information. So those things I think are the most important to me because if all you have in a practice, if you're a visionary and you want someone in your practice as a dentist and they're going to help with integration and be boots on the ground, the last thing you want is another visionary. That's too many cooks in the kitchen, too many chiefs, man oh man are you going to get, you're going to be so happy and so excited when you talk to each other. You're going to rile each other up and high five each other all the time, but you're not going to get anything done. So the team gets stuck with two visionaries and, and no integrator mindset, which means a lot of times there's not a lot of follow through. So and the last part I'll say here is make sure you guys are aligned with the, the, the vision and the values and where you're headed. Lastly, begin with the end in mind. So this owner operator wants to sell. Generally, they're further along the timeline than the associate. Now, they're going to want to sell their portion at some point in time. Be very thoughtful about how you're going to exit. Who buys out who? How is that price determined? Those are things that you really want to get into and any good dental lawyer and dental CPA group can help you with this. But when I say dental, I mean they should know dentistry as well as working with other clients. So go and look at, I'm not going to promote any one company here, but definitely ask them how many of your clients are dentists, you know, and it should be the vast majority. There's so many organizations that have specialized for that now makes the most sense to deal with them. So that's my overall kind of process of taking a look at that. I don't know. What do you think, Paul? Well, I would say like, should I bring on a partner? And and this is people like, you know, I always hear these stories about two buddies in dental school and they went and opened a practice and they did a startup and it didn't really work out because it wasn't busy enough for two dentists right off the like off the get go. And they were like, well, I like this guy. We're really cool. We're good friends. Let's do something fun together. And that's not always the best way to look at it. So I like what you said about, first of all, looking at, are we aligned? And, and you, you might think you're aligned with your associate, but maybe you're not. Like, are you asking the questions such as, if you were in my shoes as the owner, what would you change? What would you do differently? Because the last thing you want to do is introduce a partner into your organization and then find out that they wanted to do all this different stuff that you're like, ooh, gosh, I don't really like that. Now there's two cooks in the kitchen. The other thing is I like that you said, Justin, is that looking at what does this partnership provide and each person needs to bring something to the partnership. It's not that, you know what, I was doing 100% of the leadership and 100% of the management and now I'm going to do 50 because it might not work out that way because you might be really good at managing people and really good at leading people. And, and the associate may be really good at other things like the, the marketing or they can they have skills they can bring, but it's not a good idea. I would I would hate to have a partner in my office that was trying to do all the same things that I'm good at that I love doing because I just think that's just you're destined for failure. 
Now, having said that, I brought on a partner with MB2. I have never brought on an associate partner. So I, I just, and you got way more experience than me on this. So I almost feel like not even like I don't have the chops to even talk about it. But these are the things that come across my mind when I hear that question. Yeah, 100%, man. It comes down, like everything always boils down to communication and relationship. And those things can maybe be wrapped up with a bow with the word trust. Trust is earned over time, but then it can go away quite quickly. So that consistency is important. And I think the harder discussions you have up front, the more you talk about up front, the more you vet folks up front, the better off you are. Because in my opinion, I would rather be married for a lifetime than to be divorced. That's just my own opinion. Not knocking anyone that is, but it's half of us nowadays, but that's just me. I just don't want to do that. So I'm going to finish with two things. So the traditional way of inviting someone in for ownership is to give them a piece of the pie. So equity in your corporation, your professional corporation or whatever entity may be holding that asset. Okay. So your dental practice is in an entity. You give them a portion of that, but there are, there are some other ways you can do this. You can do a trial partnership. You can Google the word. There's a lot of people talking about trial partnerships and all it really is basically put is no one really gets equity today, but it's a promise to get equity and it's retroactive. So they're operating like they were owners. And if they decide after a year, after 18 months, and you guys decide that that was the right fit and they're wearing the ownership hat, well, you just retroactively give them their portion of the profits that have been banked. You set a predetermined price. So as they hustle and their sweat equity is compensated for on the back end. So if it's worth a million today and you think that that's a good price, you can lock that in. Even if it's worth 1.2 down the road, they won't pay any more than the price you agreed on. This is built in equity. It's an incentive to retain the associate. It's a goodwill gesture to start your partnership off on the right foot and these sorts of things. You don't have to do that. I personally have not... I don't push trial partnerships because usually we just like to associate for two or three years with folks. We can tell after that point whether that's the right fit. But if you're bringing on someone new and you want to want to retain them and form a great relationship, that's something that you want to look into as a trial partnership. The third one is you don't have to give up equity. You can profit share. So there's different models. Like people feel like I got to I gotta give up equity and then I, I lose control. Well, that's not necessarily the only way. You can find a way to profit share based on different tiers of productivity. And that benefits the associate because the associate doesn't have to put any up front capital in place, but gets to benefit like an owner would be. And the owner doesn't have to worry about exiting people. I mean, if it doesn't work out, you just move on. Some people like that. I'm still a fan of the traditional model selling equity, but I want people to know that there's plenty of folks doing all three of those things and you can get creative with it. Yeah, I think in in my opinion, I think you have to put some skin in the game. You know, I know there's a the Tusk model where you you get percentage of equity based on a bonus based on your production and then you you your equity increases uh, x amount of years and I just never been a fan of that model. I just like to admit if you're going to be an owner, pony up the cash, get some skin in the game and you get some risk in there too, so you care about it just as much as me. Good episode, man. Hey, we went over on time again. We got to keep these short and potent. If you guys remember, uh, how much Justin, time do we spend there? <laughs> we're over by, I think, a minute. Oh, okay. All right. Perfect. Thanks. See you guys later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>